Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and with me, as always, is my producer, Mason, a man who did not break COVID protocol. Uh, At least not yet. Time will tell. Well, at least we'll get through this show. And uh, with us at a remote location, because perhaps he did, is Sean Campbell. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing all right, but uh, don't like those accusations being thrown my way. I'm doing this to keep protocol. Yeah, we're not true journalists, so we throw rumors out willy-nilly. You know how that goes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah gotta love the rumor mill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can even take that title. That's right. We got a big show for you. We've got Larry Henry Jr. back for another go-round. We're going to discuss the uh, rather uninspiring first two games of World Cup qualifying for the men's U.S. men's national team. And... Uh, a very nice interview. Hope Stick around for that. You'll love it all the way till the end. But first of all, we want to talk about what we did as a crew this weekend. We went up Saturday uh, to see the St. Louis City Soccer Club Academy. U16s and U17s have their home opener against Shattuck St. Mary's at uh, Creefcourt Park. Uh, we went there. We stayed with the uh, St. Luligans uh, supporters group uh, tailgate party. And we had a blast. What were your takeaways, guys? It was so much fun. Um, it's been years since I saw live soccer. It's been, I've never really hung out with the Luligans, but it's been a long time since I've seen them in action. Um, and God, it was just so much fun, especially after the results we got. Oh, yeah. It was a great time. It was great to be able to actually, you know, introduce myself to them. And it, my my biggest thing was actually not just getting to see live soccer again, but actually getting to interact with live fans was just an absolutely welcome experience because it's been forever since I've been able to do that too. Gosh darn panorama. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a great time. There were beverages. There was great conversation. There was great, great team on the field. All around great day. Would do again. 11 out of 10. And Mike... This was your first live soccer experience. It really was for an organized game. I just uh, haven't had the opportunity, a lot of wishes and a lot of hopeful, but it was great. It was great to see it in this setting also at the more organic, the, uh, you know, down at field level, standing against the fence, beer in hand, people around that I liked and uh, were having a good time. It was a lot of fun. It really was. Uh, Sean, you've got the uh, results of those games, don't you? Um, I uh, let me pull the results back up. I just have to well, scroll all the way down. To the he bottom. does not. <laughs> I'm on the right page. I was just scrolled to a specific player. Okay. Um, but yes, in that, <laughs> in the first game, it was the U16s, and they ended up coming out with a two two nil win over over St. Mary's, and it was a very exciting match. But uh, the real, just absolute barn burner of a game for the U17s, winning eight to one. Oh, boy, was that fun to watch. <laughs> that was a thrashing. Unfortunately, the tailgate where we were, which uh, was fortunate because the St. Luligans came prepared and had an extra tent for us to stand under in the rain. Uh, unfortunately, this was at the far end of the field when the U-17s really ran riot in that second game. But what was exciting was to see the uh, high-pressing, energetic sort of style that Lutz uh, Finest Steel has talked about they want them to play. And uh, did see Lutz there, wave, said hi. Uh, so that was fun as well. Yeah, we got to we got to see the most interesting man in soccer in passing. Um, but we also got to see his philosophy on both squads. It was really exciting. Um, you know, remains to be seen how well it works out. But actually seeing it in practice, he wasn't all talk. That's really nice to see. And with those results, it worked. Especially winning by seven. That's a football score. That would be scoregami. Yeah. One takeaway I had to know that you're dealing with a top-level professional club, even if it hasn't started its own first-team play yet, was, man, the size and athleticism of the uh, St. Louis City Academy kids was better than the other academy. The other academy had good players but just the size and being able to pick and choose because they're going to an actual mls franchise academy was kind of startling to me i didn't expect that big a difference i did expect a little bit of difference 
yeah, I had uh, I had misrepresented Shattuck St. Mary's because I hadn't heard about him before. Um, and you know, like I said, I don't have any journalistic integrity, so I didn't look him up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah, but um, no, they're a they're a really well respected. Uh, uh, they have a really well respected soccer academy up there, and um, one of the one of the top uh, youth youth teams. Um, and yeah, we just knocked the snot out of them. <laughs> don't they have a little interaction uh, in in the concession area and around the park with the uh, fans? Probably a lot of them parents and family members, but they they also had their own contingent there. And you know, it's soccer community. It was really nice. It was a very, very pleasant day, despite the rain. And the rain wasn't even that bad. No, especially if you're under a tent, you've got an umbrella and a raincoat. Wasn't that bad. And some friends. And friends. And beer. Yeah, you can't you can't beat having a beer, watching a soccer game, and a slight drizzle, wearing a tank top and shorts and flip flops because <laughs> I came unprepared. Yeah. <laughs> you also dressed like a punk. I thought I was going to be the one that looked like the punk. I imagine. Do you a... even know me? <laughs> I imagine there's a lot about you that uh, a lot of you listeners out there that already know about them. But uh, if you're not familiar with the St. Luligans. And their This Is Silly podcast. I want to give a shout out. Good folks. Very welcoming. Love to see people that are going to be supporters out there. So if you're ever in doubt about coming out to one of these games, there's a tailgate there. Don't worry. You're going to be amongst friends, even if you walk in. We'll shake your hand. And honestly, yeah, like just walk up to them and introduce yourself. You'll you'll know them. They'll be sitting at their merch at their, you know, their merch table. Um uh, make sure you, uh, if you're able to, donate to their charity du jour. They do a lot of great work raising money for uh, for organizations and charities in the St. Louis area. And they do a lot of good work outside of just the soccer community. Yeah, it's not just screaming and yelling. It's actually being a part of the, not just soccer community, but the, the community at large. And uh, it's just a great thing to be a part of. Yeah. I, can't express how appreciative we all are of what we experienced there that day. And a uh, shout out to uh, Brian Simpson, Ryan from at uh, St. Louis Stars, a couple of friends of the podcast. Good to see them again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of old familiar faces that we had met earlier at the meet and greet. Yeah. Uh, Mitch from, from the Luligans. Yeah. Better Mitch. <laughs> Better Mitch, yes. <laughs> Better Mitch. <laughs> And the original Mitch and a lot of them were there. It was a really good time. So we really do encourage you to come out. Beer prices were reasonable. There was food there. I don't know yet for sure if Creve Coeur Park's going to be the home of the Academy, at least for the short term. If we find out, we'll follow up on that. But uh, keep in touch with at uh, St. Luligans on Twitter if you ever want to, if find out a when there's a tailgate for these games. And we highly encourage you to come out. And if you see a uh, gray beard in a silly hat, come up and shake my hand, because that's probably me, Mike. <laughs> or a tall, lanky kid in Doc Martens. That's me. <laughs> or if you see the kid that doesn't look like he belongs, but actually is the one that is yelling very loudly, that's probably me. Yeah, probably is from what we saw this past weekend. <laughs> but uh, enough on that. It was a great time. We really enjoyed ourselves. I can't stress that enough. And thank you once again to the St. Luligans for the tailgate and your fine hospitality. Absolutely. But that's not all we're here to talk about today. We've got a guest on the uh, with us. It's uh, Larry Henry Jr. Uh, he was on before. If you're not familiar with him, he really knows his stuff. And we're going to talk about the U.S. men's national team uh, first two games of qualifying. And we'll have that right after this. See you on the other side. And we're very, very happy to have Larry Henry Jr. back to talk to us today. We're going to recap uh, World Cup qualifying so far for the U.S. men's national team. And uh, very, very happy to have Larry with us. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, thanks so much for having me again. Uh, always glad to, to be a part of the, the group here and um, everything's going good. Uh, the only thing that'd make me better is a, a U.S. win on Wednesday night uh, down in Honduras and uh, can't even can't even uh, say if that's going to happen yet. So uh, for, for now, I'm staying content. Yeah, if we could win in Honduras, which I rank is the third hardest road game 
for the national team, that would be great. All of this angst would be washed away pretty quick. Uh, I would actually take a draw and think the U.S. is not in terrible shape. A loss could be catastrophic. You need that point. You can get it back. That point's important. And I right. did. Yeah. I did watch. No, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that um, there's going to be a, there's already a lot of, um, you know, maybe unwanted pressure on Greg Berhalter and the team after two games. Uh, granted, they did get a point on the road uh, in the first game and then um, the, the road again, the, the home point against Canada. But um, yeah, I think you need three points here uh, to give yourself. Um, to kind of ease that pressure and also give yourself some uh, some confidence before the players, you know, go back to their their separate ways and then, uh, you know, reconvene in, in October. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. I would take a draw, however, you start adding up the points. The next window is Costa, uh, Jamaica at home at Panama and Costa Rica at home. There's a real possibility of getting at least seven points out of that one realistically without super high expectations. That would put us back on track. And luckily, Mexico has not played well, but eked their way through. So, And so a couple other results. Uh, Conca- the rest of CONCACAF and the octagonal aren't really running away from us right now either. So those are positives we can take out of what's been a kind of stressful uh, past few days. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that um, when you look at the rest of CONCACAF so far, I mean, uh, you hit it right on the head. Mexico hasn't looked um, great, but they've, you know, done what they've needed so far. They get the, the late winning goal um, uh, against, uh, against Jamaica. Uh, and, and then, um, and then obviously following that up. So um, yeah, I think that it, it kind of anything's up for grabs already uh, so far between the spots. I mean, when you look at it, I think Jamaica's in last place right now and uh, and they don't have any points uh, so far, but that's a team that I was, you know, excited to see. And I probably mentioned last week um, with the, the England based guys coming in, McKill Antonio and some other guys, and they've looked uh, pretty shambolic so far. So uh, yeah, everything's up for grabs. Yeah, I expect a better Jamaica team in the second window against the U.S., but it is at home. And uh, also, hopefully, a bunch of these young American players settle down and understand what World Cup qualifying is a bit uh, is by the time the next window comes, because their execution and their play on the field has not been up to snuff. Everybody's yelling about Burhalter, and he's not blameless, but uh, the execution from the players on the field hasn't been that good, and their execution off the field hasn't been that good as well yeah yeah it's uh very um you know if only what four shots on goal between the first two games on the field only one goal scored and then you have the issues now um you know with weston mckinney and, and him being sent off from camp so um something we nobody probably expected to happen but um now they have to move on and you know next man up man mentality with the with this team because um you have him out you have Serginio Dest that's uh out now uh through injury uh and then Gio Reyna who was lost after the first game so uh, a lot of guys gonna need to step up and I think offensively it's gonna be um Definitely, I think, interesting to see who kind of fills those uh, roles because um, we saw Brandon Aronson get the goal, but um, maybe Christian Pulisic hasn't. Um, it was his first game back, so uh, cut him some slack. He did some good things, but um, overall, he's probably the leader of this bunch that you look at to come up with the goals himself or creating goal-scoring chances, and um, and then whoever's going to be the starting striker on Wednesday, whether that's um, Josh Sargent or Jordan Peefock, um, so we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I, I'm Pulisic uh, against Honduras. They're going to bunker even worse than Canada did. Uh, they're that's what they do, and try to hit on the counter, and they can be dangerous that way. But they're going to kick Pulisic. They're going to mark him out of the game. So if he can get on the ball, that'll be great. I have a feeling he's going to be tough to get the ball to Pulisic. He's going to be a focal point. But if he is, that means that something's stretched and there might be uh, openings to exploit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we can use him kind of like as a pick, um, we just have to have the players roll. Anyone else you're really looking forward to stepping up in this game against Honduras? 
uh, when you look at it, um, again, I guess what we'll to see who definitely gets the start. Uh, I, I think that when you look at, obviously, Serginio Dest is out. So I think um, you're going to see uh, DeAndre Yedlin at right back. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people have already kind of given me a little criticism on Twitter for, you know, when I picked my who should start um, and saying Yedlin shouldn't be there. But I think, again, when you look at experience and conquer and um, unless you plan on, you know, changing the formation around or, um, you know, to, to kind of alter for if he doesn't start. But um, I, I think, I mean, the Canada game, the only two real bright spots for me was was Brendan Aronson and Miles Robinson. Miles Robinson has kind of continued to to blossom at that center back role, whether he's paired the first game, he was paired with Tim Ream. And I thought he did, uh, did solid. And then the Canada game, I thought he did a lot better when he's paired with John Brooks. But um, I think the guy's definitely going to have to step up. Um, when you look at it, I think um, again, whoever starts at that striker position, whether it's Josh Sargent uh, who came off the bench against Canada, I think he's probably going to get the start uh, against Honduras. And then um, who, however else they kind of uh, work some guys around uh, offensively, whether it's Conrad De La Fuente coming into the lineup, um, you know, some other guys, whether Christian Roldan comes into the lineup. Um, and then I think at some point you're going to have to give Ricardo Pepe a chance because um, he came into the camp, you know, on fire with FC Dallas and he hasn't played uh, at all yet. So I think you have to give him a chance and see what he can bring to the table, because whenever you have a, an informed guy like that, I think it's just going to kind of raise uh, the morale of the whole group. And uh, and who knows how he reacts to it? I mean, of, of course, he's going to be nervous. He's a young guy. He'd be making his you know debut in qualifying. but um, he could be the hero on the night. So I think it's, it doesn't help anybody with him on the bench. So I think he's going to have to get some playing time. Uh, and then, you know, the usual guys, Polisic, I think he's going to have to, um, you know, try to maybe find some new ways to, to, to beat Honduras. And, and like you said, they're going to be kicking him and fouling him and kind of man marking him wherever he goes. So he's going to have to um, try to, you know, provide a spark and not, not be, um, you know, as quiet as some of, of these other guys that were in the Canada game. Uh, and then maybe we see like a Sebastian Legette moving further upfield or um, maybe have him kind of um, interchange with Brandon Aronson and get Legette in a, in a forward position and have Aronson play uh, in midfield. So there's, there's a lot of different ways I think Greg Berhalter can go. Um, we won't really know until we see the lineup tomorrow night uh, before the game, but I think there's definitely some, um, some, some moves I think that have to happen and that will happen for them to get a result. Cause he knows the pressure is on. I'm sure he's reading, um, seeing a lot of stuff maybe on social media and on, on in newspapers. And he, he even knows that how great this team did over the summer one point in two games is not good enough so far. Yeah, uh, well, though they didn't score much during the summer either, so they're not really right. an offensive team. Uh, they're extremely strong defensively. Unfortunately, uh, they made uh, cacophony of errors in the pivotal game of the Canada game. Otherwise, the whole conversation changes. But Yedlin got beat by Alfonso Davies. It was bound to happen. Otherwise, I thought Yedlin played pretty well in the game, to be honest. After, especially after watching it again. But he got beat. Uh, Robinson and Brooks, just after the goal, I don't know why, on that particular play, they seemed a little slow to get back and sense the real danger that was going there. Robinson got in the way, but the uh, cross went in between his legs. And then um, I don't know why Brooks stopped his run, why he didn't go after the ball. Maybe he thought Robinson was going to deflect it was he looking for a guy behind the box? Obviously, he didn't know Laram was there. But if he takes one more step, perhaps he blocks that shot. Could have been an old go, too, considering where he's at. But, uh, you know, those things happen. And with Canada was very disciplined. They had a great game plan. They played it well. And uh, they held the score low, which they needed to do. And they got the break that they needed. And uh, they... Got the draw in the game, which they really needed after only getting a draw at home themselves earlier. So, uh, but now they've lost perhaps Alfonso Davies, where it is he might need an MRI on his knee. 
Yeah, it definitely uh, would be a big loss, I, I think, when you lose a player uh, of that quality. And also, he's the, you know, he's the guy that makes that team tick, um, what, what he does uh, offensively and in the final third. And um, I thought overall in that game against the U.S., I mean, he was held in check for, for pretty much most of it except for that goal um that that breakdown from Yedlin um and then obviously earlier in the game too when uh Serginio Dest had turned the ball over and Davies um set up Laren in front of goal and I thought all Laren has to do is put this ball in the right side of the net uh and the Canada would have been up one nothing instead he kicks it literally right at Matt Turner um and Matt Turner makes the save and it was a good save because it was point blank range but um you know the U.S. easily could have walked out of that game with no points but I I think when you look at a Canada perspective um, with the way they set up uh, against the U S and if Davies is out, then I think you're likely maybe you see uh, Tejan Buchanan kind of switch over to that other side of the field. Uh, I know we've really seen him with the revolution on the right side, but um, I think he's again, another guy that's really excelled this season, why he's earned a move to Europe starting in 2022. But um, I think, um, he could definitely switch over to the left side and take Davies' spot. But, um, but again, he's not maybe on that talent level that Alfonso Davies is at. And, and you know, because one's at Bayern Munich and one's in MLS right now. But, um, yeah, definitely would be a big loss for Canada, especially, um, you know, probably they're not, uh, they're not happy with the fact that, you know, they had a 1-1 draw against Honduras at home uh, on match day one. And, and, and I know that John Herman was, seemed pretty content with it, but, at the same time at home, you should be winning your games unless you're playing against, you know, you're not playing against Mexico or the U S every single game. So um, both teams kind of in a situation now where uh, they're going to be hoping to win uh, on Wednesday night. And um, I think when you look at it, Canada plays El Salvador, I think they should uh, win that game at least by a goal or maybe two, maybe a two nothing. And, and the U S should come back with three points on the road against Honduras. But again, it's CONCACAF. And uh, so far we've seen some, you know, some pretty shocking results when you look at it, especially I probably touched on it uh, earlier with the, uh, the Jamaica um, loss to Panama recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, I rate El Salvador is probably a better tactical team than, uh, or uh, just a playing better team than Honduras, but Honduras was able to get that draw with El Salvador after all of the power outages and everything they had, whether those were accidental or on purpose, not sure. Uh, but uh, World Cup qualifying is never easy. This has to be at least the third cycle that I've really paid attention and had access to. And it's never easy. And uh, I think after these first two games, it, it, it did seem to me a little bit like some of the younger players that hadn't been through it just were a little taken aback about how serious these games are on that I don't know if you got that feeling watching it but I, I I did in certain moments and the way they were tentative in their passing around the bunker and uh not really looking to try to penetrate it you know uh, risk they were risk averse as Matt Doyle says right yeah I think the players these younger guys who are stepping into it for the first time the um you know the players like Gio Reyna uh in the first game when he's getting pelted with stuff in the corner at El Salvador trying to take a corner kick um you know Brandon Aronson all these other young guys making their kind of their day qualifying debuts um uh, yeah they, they're starting to realize that these aren't easy games and Greg Berhalter has alluded to that in his post-game press conferences or after the first two games that you know these aren't easy games I, I think he said it pretty clear too after the El Salvador game that you know people thought we were going to come down here and win three nothing and and that's not the case that these games are not meant to be easy um so uh, I think the young players again they're gonna have to you know uh, you know kind of learn on the fly as it goes and and hopefully a th three points tomorrow would or Wednesday would be um would be great for confidence wise for them you know heading back to their their club teams and then hopefully a lot of these guys again coming back for the October camp uh, for another tough three matches so um but again I think that uh, Honduras again might not make uh you know 
isn't going to be the most um, challenging opponent that the U.S. are going to face in qualifying, but it, it will be a tough test for them. It will be, um, you know, a, another team that will look to, you know, kind of hit them on the counter and and let them kind of have possession. You have Ramel Kyoto, who is kind of the face of the team, and, and then you have some other guys, Brian Acosta, Bonique Garcia. So, um, so there's talent out there and this is you know a lot of the same guys this u.s team played against uh in the nation's league semifinal earlier this summer um with one of the main exclusions being albert elis who had just you know secured a transfer uh in europe right before this and i think wasn't at 100 percent fitness wise so um so the u.s doesn't have to worry about him but there is some guys they do have to worry about the uh tomorrow night yeah and uh, some of the players were complaining about the field in el salvador uh, El Salvador wants to play progressive. They had their field. It looked, you know, the pitch looked pretty nice considering it was El Salvador. It's not going to be that way in Honduras. I expect it to be bumpy and the grass to be tall to cut down on a lot of those ground passes and things like that as well. That's been their modus operandi for the past few cycles that I've seen. I definitely right. think, uh, <clears throat> sorry. No, good. Uh, I definitely think, um, while it's on my brain, it's worth noting the fact that, uh, we do still have 12 more matches, including the one on Wednesday. So kind of get those those little bumps and stumbles out of the way early if, if, you, if you can. And then, you know, you've got plenty more time in a short amount of time to more games in a short amount of time to really, you know, start getting those points and those results once you've had that time to kind of come together and, again, make those mistakes early but still get points out of it. Um, we do still have a chance to make this up. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that, um, again, you rather as much as people, the fans don't want to see them stumble, uh, you might as well get the stumbles out now. And, uh, again, there's a lot of new guys on this team, a lot of new faces that are experiencing qualifying for the first time. So um, so it's understandable. Um, but, again, you know, at some point it, the results will have to turn around. And I think Wednesday is a great opportunity for that because, you know, I'm sure a lot of a lot of people, including us, are – uh, eager to see what kind of U.S. team we see in Honduras and whether we see a team that's ready to go after it, ready to, you know, put 10 shots on goal or 12 shots on goal or something like that and score a couple goals and, and you know, pat, get a comfortable win uh, to end this month. Yeah, that's a good point because as I look back and think about the two games, the U.S. didn't play terribly. They just were out of sync and uh, – had a lot of XG in the first game. They had chances against Canada. Uh, one off the post by Pulisic. Pifak was able to fight off and poke the ball right across the face of goal, but uh, Aronson wasn't there to knock it in. Uh, you had the great save by Borjan on the own goal. Kennedy had the best shot at that goal the whole game. So, uh, and, and there was a couple of other ones, like the uh, breakaway when uh, actually the worst thing Tyler did, and perhaps he only missed true misstep I saw was when he drew that foul uh, behind the play that stopped the break when Aronson had the ball out with uh, Robinson running forward and Pifak in the box, the one of the few times they uh, they broke down Canada. You take away some of those mistakes and, you know, the defensive laps uh, for the goal, you take those away and the U.S. really didn't play that terrible. They're just not playing up to our expectations. Yeah, that Tyler Adams foul was just so stupid, though. Why'd he do that? <laughs> it's part of the game, but that hurt. And, and, and as I rewatched, that's the point where the energy levels of the U.S. dropped was after that foul. Now, a big question is, why was Burhalter so slow in getting subs and fresh legs on the field? Uh, that I don't understand. He has to take a big hit on that one. Any thoughts on that, Larry? Yeah, I think that's a uh, it's a subject that I've been kind of vocal about, whether it's been with you guys or with on other podcasts about the only real issue I have with Burhalter is the fact that sometimes he waits too long to make these changes. And I, I get it. Sometimes you don't, you know, these games are coming kind of thick and fast. There's three games in eight days and you want to save legs uh, and everything. But you know, at some point you got to make those decisions and say, look, if you're down a goal, we got to go for it. If you're tied and you just want to hold on to the lead, then that's another thing. And you want to get defensive players out there. You want to, 
Um, or if you're the opposite and you want to go for it and get the two, one win, then you get the offensive guys out there. But um, I, I truly don't know what his kind of thought process is on um, why it takes so long to get some guys uh, out there. I think that the subs need to be done uh, sooner, whether, you know, whether it's like the 60th minute mark, get some fresh legs out there, um, try to get some new pairings and so forth. But um, you could clearly see at the end of that game against Canada, once Canada got the equalizer, um, you know, the U S were on a little nervy at that point, they were on the back foot a little bit and, and um, Canada really kind of opened up and then, you know, then it was kind of a little bit back and forth uh, to end the game. But um, yeah, I think we're going to need to see Burhalter definitely, uh, you know, fix up these changes a little bit sooner. And, and I know I'm not the only one saying it because I've seen a lot of people on, uh, you know, on Twitter, social media, wondering what the same thing, why does it take so long? And, uh, and hopefully that changes. Cause I think you're just going to, you know, it's just going to kind of, obviously you're going to win more of the fans over, but also I think it could be good for the team, whether you're again, fighting for a goal, you're looking to pad a lead or, 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 you know, anything uh, in between. Yeah. And uh, you know what he, I thought he did a really good job of getting the subs in, in the gold cup. Um, maybe a few minutes late, but not terribly late like this. And like he'd bring on Roldan and Cannon and Zardes around the 65th minute usually. And that's when the U.S. started playing better, uh, brought the uh, senior guys on. But in this, he's just holding on to them for so long when there needs to be, in that Canada game, by at least the 70 minute, they needed a change. They were, after rewatching, it wasn't terrible. But by then, the players out there were frustrated, and Canada made their subs, so the tired legs were getting leggier, let's say. Those subs were 10, at least 10 minutes late. I'd say 15. But yeah, they, when they came on, they're just everyone else out there was gassed and, and like you said, frustrated. Uh, Larry, I'm interested in knowing what you thought of uh, how PFOC played uh, at the striker role in that game. Kind of a thankless task, to be honest. Yeah. I- Overall, I think he did better than maybe what, you know, what people might have said about him uh, after the game or when you look at his kind of his stat sheet on on, uh, individual duels and stuff like that that he won. Because I thought he did pretty well and maybe offered a little bit more uh, in the final third than Josh Sargent did the first game. Um, His ability to kind of hold up the ball and, um, you know, his kind of physicality in a way, I think, just brings a different element out there. Um, you know, his ability uh, on crosses or corner kicks uh, in the air, I think, uh, is key, too. And uh, and you touched on it uh, earlier. I think it was the one play um, in the uh, in the first half at where he had kind of one possession spun off, gets himself into a, de- you know, a good situation to put the ball in a dangerous area. And he kind of sends it across the box. Um, and unfortunately no one's there to get on the end of it, but um, I think he, that's just the way that he plays. And I, you know, you've seen it with young boys. He, he does that and he, he kind of excels at that, you know, using his body to his advantage and then, um, and then trying to connect with his teammates. And I think um, maybe he does that, better than Josh Sargent. I think Josh Sargent overall is just the better kind of forward and the final third of, you know, putting the ball in the back of the net with his shooting ability. But, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see uh, PFOC either paired with Sargent or, um, or, you know, whether he starts tomorrow, I think Sargent will start, but, um, but it wouldn't shock me if PFOC does just because I think against Honduras, you're going to need more of that physical play uh, to deal with the center backs and to, to win possession in the final third. To, uh, on the road so and he's and he's right now the best guy um you know in the squad I think you know that does that uh you know we don't have the guys like Daryl DK uh, in the squad right now uh who can provide that so um so I, I think he did well and I think it's another step in his development with the national team he's still young he's still kind of inexperienced at the national senior national team level but overall I thought he did well yeah, against the bunker, one thing that we need is more movement. Everything was too static. Didn't seem, especially after the first 20 minutes, which were actually pretty energetic. They did a lot of passing around the exterior, but they were runs were made, holes were looked for. Uh, Canada did a good job of getting the passing lanes and uh, keeping their lines tight, but they were bunkered in. The U.S. was putting pressure on them, and then they that sort of stopped. 
The only uh, I'm kind of torn for the Honduras game. Uh, Pfock in that strength, that hold up play, that's his thing is good. Uh, Sargent would make more runs. Uh, he's more likely to come out of the box, maybe drag someone with him if they're not that disciplined. I expect Honduras to be pretty disciplined in that bunker. But the other thing that could come in, I would like to see is maybe late in that game, if it's uh, stagnant and stale, uh, have Sargent and uh, Ricardo Pepe in there. So Sargent can sort of move around, maybe stretch openings in the box, get the ball to Pepe and you know, we haven't had a large sample size about him, but what I've seen is he's the guy with the real nose for getting the ball into the goal and, and being able to get his own shot off in tight quarters. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Pepe should play definitely against yeah. Endurance, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or more than that, because, uh, again, it's a guy that came in on good form. I remember watching the, the game against Austin uh, FC where he had two goals um, and really just, you know, really two really good goals, um, you know, in the final third. And again, I think I agree with you with, you know, yeah, he's going to try things. He's going to try shots on goal. And I think the U S needs more of that. I mean, of course you want to find the easy kind of maybe a little bit of the easy way of getting the ball in the back of the net, whether it's opening up, getting guys out of position and making the right pass. But at some point you got to have these forwards. Okay. Let's try something. Let's, let's get a shot on goal. Maybe the goalie parries it and someone gets a rebound, uh, you know, or something like that. Um, Again, again, I think at points against Canada, um, they were, still um and Christian Pulisic kind of said it after the game that they need to look for new ideas they can't just do the same old thing um against teams they got to try to look for new ways and um if they get crosses in the box these guys got to be winning duels whether it's Sargent or Pfock in the air whether it's um you know whether it's Pepe as well um or, or knocking balls down and guys getting on the end of it so um but I think we're gonna see Pepe at some point uh Wednesday night I know a lot of people were excited to see him um and I am uh, as well because again he's been on a tear with Dallas been extremely uh done extremely well this season and uh is deserving of this call up it's tough tough position Burhalter's in he could really help but with the pressure on doing something like that, what if it doesn't work or he doesn't do anything, but he's not using his subs, sub him on, see what happens. Of course, you never want to put an 18 year old out there and then have to sub him off, but you know, see what happens is especially if you're up a goal against Honduras, uh, I'd, I'd like to see him come on with Sargent to give an option to get that second goal, something that they haven't really shown at all this summer, despite all the victories. Right. I think that the best kind of case scenario you see Pepe is hopefully the U S are up, you know, two nothing or something like that. And and you can get him on and you don't have to really worry too, too much about um, there being a lot of pressure on him and, and maybe the game's more free and open and Honduras might be stretched out uh, at that point. But um, again, he isn't using his subs and there's guys on the bench, you know, that, that have been there that are maybe brought on again too late or not at all. So I think you do have to give these guys a chance, um, to see what happens. And again, I think maybe the benefit, uh, the, you know, those benefits are, are there more so than, um, you know, maybe times in the past. And I think that again, a guy like Ricardo Pepe, who is uh, clinical in the final third, who tries things, I think that's only going to help the U S in this situation where, um, you know, they're in a must win game, uh, in Honduras and they need to come back with, uh, three points, at least one point, but, um, preferably with all three. Yes. Preferably all three, uh, one point I can live with, you better come back in the second window strong. Of course, in the second window, there'll be some missing parts from this roster. Guys like Hoppy and Shaq Moore are available that were held back because of, uh, you know, they were getting club transfers. Other ones that, in Europe that uh, were working on transfers. Uh, and plus the injured players might be available. Of course, other players will be injured at that point, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not ready to panic yet. Even if it is a draw in Honduras, I won't panic if it's a loss in Hondur- Honduras. 
but I will be a lot more edgy than I would be with a draw. But uh, draw would leave me edgy and concerned, but I want to see what they do the next window. Uh, and plus, a lot of these guys in Europe have only played three club games. Is that right? They Yeah. They really, with their passing and attacking the bunker and the way they were off sync and how some of the passes were behind or lazy. Yeah, it looked like what you expect out of a club season about three games in. Definitely, yeah. Um I mean, only a couple of guys had played maybe more than that. Uh, I know Brendan Aronson and Jordan Peefock was in Champions League qualifying. So they had played, um, you know, they played kind of through August and um, or maybe their late stages of, of July. Um, um, but, yeah, a lot of these guys, like you know, Pulisic obviously tested positive for COVID-19. So he wasn't out there for Chelsea and other guys. Um Serginio Death season had just started with Barcelona. So I think maybe when you look at it, that October window, you know, yes, those matches um, are just as tough, but um, hopefully knock on wood that everyone's healthy. You have, uh, you know, everyone can be, you know, you can choose from anybody there. Um, there's guys that were, weren't in this squad like Zardis and DK and uh, maybe a Matthew Hoppy um, as well, Shaq Moore. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that October window, you're going to have maybe more guys to choose from and also guys with more minutes under their belt in this new season, not just three or four games like, uh, you know, like Pulisic or Dest or, or you know, some of these other guys. Yeah, if they don't play up to snuff in that second window, then something's got to change. Uh, whether it's the players, they're not executing well. I don't know if the coach really didn't execute game time uh, against Canada. I really didn't have a problem with the lineup he sent out. It just, it was one of those games. But there was in-game decisions. And I can't express how utterly disappointed I am in Weston McKinney for breaking what had to be a clear and obvious rule to get kicked off the team. You know, he's a fun guy. He's friends with all these people. He's an important member of the team, acts like he wants to be a leader. And right before the game time, you let your whole, your whole team down. Uh, really rough. Uh, he's going Yeah, to... Landon Donovan definitely said it best. He did. With his, it, yeah. And of course, we don't know what's going on. A lot of fights on Twitter about that, but uh, neither here nor there. Yeah. Something serious happened. Yeah, that was going to be my question is, do we know what he did? But it's kind of beside the point. He obviously did something and really, really, like, obviously, you know, destroyed his, like, you know, destroyed his his shot at this, but seemed to really upset everyone else. Yeah, it's hard to say what that what the impact had because there's a lot of kids on this team some of them are teenagers something like that could have a little impact eh, it's hard to say that's speaking for somebody else's mind especially too when you look at mckinney i think that i mean this is a guy that you've seen you know the best of him at times with the u.s and his leadership ability and his kind of tenacity he plays with that you know uh, you know is a big part of that midfield and um it was definitely shocking to see him not there and and a guy like that who i think you know you know could be the captain of this team easily uh into the future um because of his ability uh on the field but also kind of his the way that he kind of you know, brings everyone together and, and the way that he plays. And um, so it was definitely shocking. I haven't seen anything about what he did, but um, what exactly he did, I, I don't know if we're ever going to find that out. But, uh, but I, I mean, obviously I've seen other things come out on, on social media about kind of, you know, his, you know, his situation at Juventus. And obviously he was linked with a transfer uh, this summer with some teams in England in the mix. And that, 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 that kind of uh, fell apart because Max Allegri said that we, we want to work with him. We want to see him, you know, fight for a spot. And, and we think, you know, there's more to come out of him, but then you also read things about, you know, that he, that he had, you know, dieting issues in Italy and that he, 
you know, maybe didn't come in the best shape and, um, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think this is kind of a wake up call for him that like, okay, this is the situation you're in. You have a great opportunity in front of you at club level and on the international level. And now it's, it's up to you to make it better. But uh, Greg Berhalter, I guess, clearly, you know, stated now that he's not going to put up with it, whether you're the star player of the team or, or you're a guy that's, you know, on the fringe of, of the roster. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Burhalter had to be affected by having to do that and go through that because he's under the cosh. The pressure on him is immense. Uh, and, and of course it is. And he knew it was when he accepted the job. But this didn't have to help. That has to be a terrible, terrible decision for him to make. But if you break a clear and fast rule, which he obviously did, otherwise they wouldn't have done what they did. Uh, as a coach, you have to do that. Uh, for the good of the team as a whole. Uh, apparently, he broke the rules that were pretty straightforward and did it in a way that was unacceptable. Otherwise, they could have suspended him for one game and not kicked him out of camp. So it's very disappointing. Definitely disappointing for sure, because again, you know, it's a guy that we, we like seeing, you know, as fans of the team and, um, you know, the way he plays and, uh, again, these are big games. If it was a friendly or something like that, then it's one thing, but this is world cup qualifying. This is what you work. There's, you know, there's three years, uh, before to, you know, there's to get to this point. And, and these are the moments that count. These are what, what you're going to be judged on, uh, you know, next spring, next summer, whether you qualify or not. So, um, so this is the big thing. And hopefully, uh, you know, Weston McKinney again, learns from this grows, grows from this, maybe gets a little bit more um, confidence and all, and then comes back stronger uh, in October. Uh, we can only hope uh, we can really only hope because there, yeah, I've heard those rumors coming out of Juve as well that uh, he's very talented, but he has maturity issues for the various reasons, you know, kind of encapsulating them. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Larry. We appreciate it. But I want to wrap this up uh, fairly quickly, but I got a couple other uh, things for you to discuss. Uh, we're going to face a bunker against Honduras. We know that. Uh, U.S. hasn't been particularly clinical in front of goal. Do you have any idea? What's your thoughts on how they could possibly stretch Honduras out uh, and maybe get themselves into better positions to actually put some of these shots away. I think it's really just going to come down to getting those key guys into dangerous situations, whether that's, you know, Pulisic, whether that's floating him around more, uh, you know, seeing him kind of maybe at a number 10 role or just underneath the strikers um, or, you know, getting other guys in the mix, Aronson, uh, whoever else he ends up going with, Legette, Conrad. Um, but I think, again, it's going to be a Honduras team that um, – that is, you know, is structured defensively is going to bunker down and really try to, um, you know, keep the U.S. at bay. So I think, again, the possession is going to be key, but also, you know, again, taking those chances, trying shots on goal, um, winning your individual battles, I think is key too, because not a lot of those guys that started against Canada were really winning the one-on-one -on -one duels. They weren't yeah. getting, you know, maybe getting, you were getting the fullbacks up, but they weren't maybe delivering the best, um, you know, crosses other than Anthony Robinson's for the goal. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough test for the U.S. But again, they have more quality out there than Honduras. They know the pressure's on a little bit. And I think we're going to see them play with a little bit of extra juice, knowing that they want to end this window on a high note. And uh, what better way to do that than, uh, than three points? Yeah. I, one thing I just thought of was uh, against Honduras, they're going to be very physical. Uh, they're going to foul a lot. If you could stretch them out, they... They can switch the field, overload the side, and make crisper, sharper passes to switch the field. Against Canada, a lot of those passes were looping and never got anybody stretched. They could pretty much stroll over and man-mark the guy on the other side of the field. Those have to be quicker. Uh, they just have to execute what they're doing at a faster pace. Uh, but the other thing is, if you can do that and get people in the box, you run a real chance of Honduras you know, throwing the foul getting a penalty right now the U S can use any goals they can get. 
Right. And I think that when you look at the, the center backs, they're going to be kind of structured again. They're going to be, um, you know, ready for that, uh, that kind of fight, whether it's uh, PFOC or Sargent starting at the striker position um, again. But I think the more you have possession in the final third, the more pressure you're getting on the opponent, the, the more likely you could see a mistake happen uh, from Honduras. And again, anything you can take at this point, you'll take. Um, and it's all about getting those those creative guys, um, you know, making, uh, you know, making things tough for uh, the defenders, whether that's the center backs or the fullbacks. And I think, uh, again, too, is a reason why maybe you see a guy like Conrad De La Fuente maybe start tomorrow uh, on Wednesday is because, um, you know, he he's a guy that, again, was coming came in on pretty, you know, pretty good form with uh, Marseille really took a lot of guys one on one so far in the league schedule. And I think the U.S. could certainly use that as a guy that isn't afraid to, to try that. And, um, you know, you might fail a couple times at it, but, you know, the more you run after somebody, the more likely they could make a mistake. So um, I think that's only going to help the U.S.'s uh, favor. Yeah, he's a little tough spot because uh, do be in the wing. Pulisic's out there, and uh, uh, Aronson has earned his run of play. But Aronson's got a lot of miles and hours now on those legs, and he's already played a lot of games already. So maybe it is a chance for Conrad to show what he goes. And uh, before I let you go, there's one player that stood out for me against Canada that really surprised me because I wasn't high on him coming in to this game is Anthony Robinson. I thought he was really good in this game. Definitely. Yeah. I think he's a guy who um, has tons of potential uh, kicked off his league season uh, in strong form with Fulham. They they're flying high uh, in the championship and um, had a, had a goal with them before he came into this um, in, into this, you know, qualifying schedule and also had an assist right before that. And um, he's a guy that again, isn't afraid to get upfield, uh, make plays um, and get balls into the box. And I think he's, his development has kind of taken that next step now because he's been in the premier league. He's kind of got that taste now of, of top plate football. And now he's back in the second division, but he's going to try to help Fulham get back there. They've done well so far. And I think now with the national team, it's about, kind of, you know, taking those talents at club level and transforming them over the international stage. I know it's not as, it's not going to be easy for him, but um, I thought, he, again, he was another guy who stood out against Canada. And I think the more minutes we see of him consistently, I think it's only going to help him because when he first came into the, the, the national team picture, he was kind of in and out. And I remember, um, I think it was before the 2019 gold cup he played, I was at the, the friendly against Jamaica, which they, uh, you know, which they had played uh, and lost, but, um, and he didn't look particularly well that night, but um, I know since then he's kind of grown uh, a lot as a young player. And I think, again, the more we see of him, uh, the more good things we'll, we'll likely see. Yeah, I agree. I, I was really impressed. He's improved a lot since the last time I really saw him uh, earlier on in his career. Uh, so we really thank you for your time, Larry. Uh, this has been a great conversation. We're going to wrap this up, but before I let you go, uh, why don't you please tell our uh, listeners uh, how they can access all of your work? Because you've got a lot out there right now. Yeah. Um, so on Twitter, um, I, you know, my name's L Henry zero one nine. Always, always eager to, to start some conversations uh, on that, whether it's U.S. national team, Americans abroad, uh, Premier League, MLS, what, what uh, whatever you want. Uh, and then writing, um, you can find me over at uh, internationalchampionscup.com, um, doing some U.S. men's team stuff for them. And then also uh, for 1.37 p.m., which we do a little bit of everything, but, um, you know, I'm mainly in the, the sports department there. So, um, so you can find me there and, uh, and hopefully some more uh, publications in the near future. We hope so, too. You do great work, and we really appreciate you coming on here. Just to be clear, uh, International Champions Cup is all spelled out. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, all lowercase. And the 137 p.m., it's numeral 137pm.com, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, it's actually, um, it's, it's one uh, letters. Um, That's right. 
Yeah, one and then the three seven are the numerals, and then PM is uh, letters.com. I wasn't sure if I had that right. That's why I <laughs> wanted to clarify for those listening on audio. We will have uh, all of that information in the show notes as well, uh, because we really appreciate Larry Henry. Second time on here. It's a great conversation. And Larry, thank you very much. Uh, and we hope to talk to you again in the future. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that, folks, was Larry Henry Jr., a friend of the pod, and uh, we really appreciate him coming on. He's just such a great guest, really knows his stuff. Returning champion. Returning champion. That's exactly right. What about me? I thought I was returning champion. You're co-host now. You got upgraded. Yeah, that's right. When did I get (laughs) co-host? Now. (laughs) We have a party. I accept the honor. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone listening, congratulate Sean on his promotion. Of course, with that promotion comes a lot of responsibility. Crowd noise. You'll you'll find out. Uh A little follow-up after that interview of why we were doing this, I hopped on Twitter, and Jeff Carlisle of ESPN.com did put out to back up what was on Spanish-language TUDN that Weston McKinney was sent home for multiple violations of the men's national team COVID protocol, including bringing in an unauthorized person inside to the team's bubble and also spent the night outside of the bubble. Yeah, that's a no-go. So if you thought we, we were harsh on Weston McKinney, he already got busted doing this at Juve. He really needs to know better. Yeah, that's... It's, Very it's a... disappointed in him. Yeah. And that's a bad violation of team policy. He had, you're with the team for a week. A week. Take care of your business. You're representing your country, son. And he couldn't do it. There's there's a quote from a certain show about certain people living in rural areas of, areas of Canada that comes to mind from the hockey coach. <laughs> and I may or may not be kicking a trash can about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing it's embarrassing yeah it's it's expletive embarrassing yeah and if you haven't heard what landon donovan had to say you can go on to um football with grant wall another uh recommended podcast out there right now during one Cup qualifying landon donovan's going to be on with uh, grant wall and chris whittingham uh and he had harsh words for weston he had harsh words for the team uh about grow up this is not pretty soccer in World Cup qualifying. It's a battle. Uh, oftentimes, you have to score a goal, and then you have to hold on and win one nothing. Uh, it's not pretty, but you've got to fight through it. And now we got a road game coming up that's a, I would say, at least a must draw. People are saying must win. I think they're overreacting. But Honduras is traditionally an incredibly hard place to play. Kind of like like morale wise, it is kind of a must win because if yes. we come out of this window with only three points, that's going to be crushing. If we come out of this with two points, oh, there's gonna heads are gonna roll if we come out of this with two draws and a loss. Yeah, out of this window. And uh, rule of thumb to think about it, it's the octagonal. In the past, like when U.S. didn't make it four years ago, it was the hexagonal which means there's four extra games in this qualifying cycle. It's a little more forgiving, especially for a bigger team, deeper team, uh, supposedly, uh, to come up from a a bad position. But you don't want to be in too bad a position. Then you've got every game is pressure, pressure, pressure. So they need to bunker down and get down to business, quite honestly. And uh, that's about all I have to say, because I'm about ready to wash those two games away and uh, remove them from my memory and all of the horrors that I saw from Twitter comments out there uh, from people that obviously never been through a World Cup qualifier before. But uh, anyone else have anything to add? I'm just hoping for the best. Uh, As we're recording, it'll be tomorrow night. For you listening, it'll be tonight. I'm just hoping for the best. Um, I want to see the kids come out strong, try to finish strong and put and also put this behind them and move forward with a, something they can finally be proud of. Um, I just want to see them come out and 
and stand up to the test because this is going to be a real test of these kids' resilience. Uh, how can they bounce back from disappointing result after disappointing result? Because in the previous two tournaments this summer, they had they just strung a bunch of wins together. They they I I don't think they've really faced this kind of disappointment. How is this going to affect them? And I want to see them come out strong. And even if they get that draw, I want them to show a good performance on the pitch, much better than what they did these last two games. But like Mike, I'm it's, it, those are gone now. Focus on next game up. That's right. And you know how you get over it? You fight for the badge. You fight for your country. You play your position. You play your role extremely well. You try not to get distracted. You don't make mistakes. And you just keep fighting until the final whistle. That's how it's always been done. And that's how it should be done. And there shouldn't be any backbiting out there amongst the fan base. This is our team, our country. And root them on just as strongly as you possibly can. Don't get your heads down. It's not impossible. We believe that we will win. And uh, that's all I get to say. And I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your newly promoted co-host, Sean the Hooligan Campbell. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. We appreciate you listening all this time. And uh, be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. It really helps the show. Thanks again for listening, lovely listeners. Bye for now.